Hey all, welcome back to another episode of What's on Your Plate. Talking with today's guest felt exactly like what it was, that of which was catching up with an old friend. Bob Bing Craig and I kicked out many miles together back in the day, and his energy then continues to be what it is now, intriguing, settling, and open. In today's conversation, I think you will hear what I mean. Listen in as we talk about reinventing yourself, opening up to accept who you are, reminding ourselves that it's okay to not know what you're doing and how he has talents in improv that are directly related to those of towing the line at a marathon. Bob is the author of Sportsman's, a newly released novel about finding courage to step out of your comfort zone. Let's dig in. All right. So, hey, Bob, it's been a minute or two or 10, quite a bit. Yeah. How the hell are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm doing well, doing well. How about you? I am doing fantastic. Um, as, as good as, you know, anybody could be doing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, back in Northwest Indiana, I see for a few days, uh, joining us from the much sunnier, much warmer West Coast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's well, it's not sunny and warm out there right now. It's uh it's been rainy. It's winter time, you know, in California. So uh it's um it, it fluctuates, you know. But mm. even when it's cold, it's in the sixties. So yeah, well I was gonna so say, bad. like, don't like crush my illusion of beautiful weather on the West Coast. It's yeah. well, it's, I mean, it's, weather. It's, it's not anything to complain about. You know, you'll get like a week of rain, not three months of gloom and snow. So yeah. <laughs> and you don't and you don't have to shovel anything. So well you got I lucky don't miss without that. having yeah I was gonna say you got lucky without having to come back here um and have to trudge through that at all. So yes. You never know when you're traveling this time of year what you're gonna get. So yeah absolutely well I'm so excited that you took a minute to join me today. Um you know I've known you for a long time and we've ran together and coached together and mm-hmm. uh, I've watched you perform improv and I've enjoyed that so much and think that's so cool that you partake in that. That's something that I certainly find, like I could never find myself on a stage doing improv <laughs> like that. Everybody um, says that. Everybody well, says that. You know, I think it takes a certain kind, you know, and um I think it's cool that that way. And I think it's cool that uh, you teach other people how to become wired that way to, you know, rewire their brains to, to show mm-hmm. up on stage like that. I think that's awesome. So you're not only doing that, but you're teaching it. Yeah. And then, you know, other cool endeavors that you're, you're doing writing books. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, I think I just hit um, a time over the past, I'd say two, two ish years, um, where I reconnected with, I think who I really am. Uh, and I'm a creative person. And I think for, for a lot of my adult life, I pushed that away or ignored it or allowed myself to chase after the things that 
we're told are important, you know, having money and having a big house and having your kids go to a certain school or, or whatever it is, you know, whatever, it could be a million different things for, for everybody. But you, I got caught up in that for a long time and I let go of the things that used to really get me excited when I was younger. Um, I don't know if you can hear the motorcycle outside. Um, hopefully not. Um, <clears throat> And because, uh, you know, when I was a kid, you know, and, and even when I first got married uh, in the early 90s, I was I was pursuing, you know, improv. I was in Chicago. I was doing, you know, I was going to Second City. I was going to uh, Improv Olympic. Um, and the people that were teaching me improv back then are now, you know, famous people like Adam McKay, you know, I mean, a, a Academy Award winning director, you know, but back then he was just Adam McKay teaching improv on Belmont Street and, you know, at Improv Olympic. Um, the people that went on to create Upright Citizens Brigade and the UCB theaters in New York and LA. And, you know, they were just the people teaching classes. Um, I remember the first show I ever saw at Second City on the main stage was Steve Carell, Stephen Colbert, um, Amy Sedaris, Paul Danello. Um, you know, I mean, it was like, it's like unbelievable. I mean, and they were just, you know, the main stage cast at Second City. They were not any anybody famous you know anyway but I, I digress i guess but um but i mean i was i was right in the mix of that you know in the midst of the amy polars and the um tina Fey's. i mean the, we were all in chicago at the same time we were all in this mix and then i remember and maybe i'm getting too much detail here but i remember we had an improv company in chicago it was called broad shoulders productions we had our own theater um, we, we loved it. Uh, we'd written some plays. Um, and one day we, we were, a, we were a for-profit company. So we were all on our board of directors. So we'd have these board of directors meetings and we're sitting at uh, the dining room table in my apartment in Chicago. And, uh, one of the guys, Chip looks at me, looks at everybody and goes, I think we should all move to Los Angeles as a group. And my wife and I had just started looking for houses in Northwest Indiana. She was from Northwest Indiana, my ex-wife. Um, and I was like, I can't go. I can't go. And so they all moved to Los Angeles. Um, most of them moved out of Los Angeles eventually, but, you know, but they, 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 you know, they went for it then. And I went in a different path. Um, and I went toward writing, um, and I made it, I was successful at writing. I was, I was uh, making a living as a freelancer. And then I got a job in downtown Chicago and I was, you know, managing editor of a business to business magazine and all those things. And then <laughs> I can hear this motorcycle anyway. Um, and then I just, I, I, I was the magazine I was the editor for was um, a a magazine that covered commercial real estate in 10 states in the Midwest. And I was talking to and covering all these commercial real estate guys. And this is the early nineties or early two thousands. I'm sorry. And they're making so much money. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm on the wrong side of this thing. So I quit and got a job being a commercial real estate salesperson. And the very first day, I mean, within two hours of my first day there, I'm like, Oh, you know, this is not good. This is, I have made it in the, in the famous words of, uh, 
uh, arrested development. <laughs> I've made a huge mistake. Um, but I wouldn't, I didn't admit it to myself. I was just like, nope, you, you know, you got to suck it up and you got to, you know, and, and that led me on the path to sales, sales, sales for, you know, from that was 2005 until really 2021, you know? So for for that period of time, I gave up the dream that I could make a living and live in a creative way. Um, I did some side things, you know, I did like disposable theater, but I never took that seriously as anything that would get anywhere because we were in Northwest Indiana. I was just like, well, nobody, you know, nobody's going to discover somebody in Northwest Indiana. You, know, you got to go to Chicago or, or LA or New York. And so, um, but in the, in March, uh, end of February of 2021, uh, my girlfriend at the time and I split up, um, and my initial reaction was to run back to the Midwest. Like, Oh, I, I just, I should just go back to, you know, Chicago or the Midwest or Northwest Indiana or whatever. And I thought about it that night and I thought, you know, I think I'm out here for a reason. Uh, I didn't know what it was. Um, so I got an apartment in Seal Beach, which was my favorite apartment in my entire life, which I just moved out of a couple months ago. Um, but, uh, and then two weeks later, my job let me go. And, you know, in a, at a different point in my life, I might've just been like, oh my God, the world is coming to an end, you know, and neither one of those events phased me at all. I just, it was just like, it was almost like, um, you know, I had a chain around each leg, not, and not that I had a bad relationship with my girlfriend or anything like that. I don't, I don't mean it like that, but it was like, I was freed from other people's expectations when she and I split up. And then the other chain was taken off when my, um, when my company let me go. And I was like, I can do anything I want. I've got, you know, I have money in the bank. I've got, you know, and I, and, um, yeah. And it just, uh, I just slowly started reopening back up and I'd written um, the first draft of what became my novel sportsman sportsman's um, right at the beginning of the pandemic, like at the beginning of March of 2020, I had made a commitment that I was going to type one page a day for a hundred days. And it had nothing to do with the pandemic. It just happened to coincide with the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and I did that. So I had this rough draft for, you know, a couple of years. Um, and I played around with it and I sent it off to some people and I tried to, you know, rework it. I'm all over the place. So for you, sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> oh, it's good. I'm, I'm glad that you're telling me what's, you know, happened then where you are now. I'm enjoying hearing yeah. your story. So, so that was part of the process. I, I, you know, um, so it was rolling along with me as well. And then I, I found a running club out in Long Beach and I started running with them in May of 2021. Um, and that was great. I met a lot of people there, did a five or couch to 5k program for them. And then I stumbled across a, a improv theater in a town called Tustin, which I'd never heard of before in Orange County. Uh, California, and they were having auditions in June of 2021. And so I went to audition and I got cast. And over time, it just, I just slowly started 
with, you know, with my therapist and with the people I met through improv there and with the proximity to Los Angeles and, and everything else, just slowly opening that door again to the person who wanted to create for a living. And I, I still don't know what exactly that looks like. Um, whether it will be writing, whether it will be voiceover, whether it will be uh, acting, whether it will be acting in commercials, whether it'll be, you know, I don't, I don't know what it looks like. Um, and it could be all of those things too. Um, that's the one thing I've realized uh, in being around people in Los Angeles is, you know, very few are just on one strict path. You know, they're, they're doing things in various ways. They're making you know, money doing voiceover, they're making money teaching, they're making money, you know, doing commercials, you know, uh, stuff like that. So um, that's where I'm at now. I've done some background stuff, uh, or extra work uh, over the over the past year, which has been fun. So I've been, you know, in the background on TV shows and things like that, which doesn't pay much it pays minimum wage. Um, but it's fun to be on, you know, sets and things like that. And I'm currently, um, taking uh, classes at Groundlings in LA. I'm in the um, kind of the upper echelon classes of that right now. I don't know if there's a path there or not because of my age. Um, doing improv in LA, doing improv in Orange County on a very regular basis. Um, I just finished um, NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month, which some people know about, some people don't. I saw your uh, posts goal... about it. I wasn't sure what it was, but that's cool now that you're bringing it up. Yeah, yeah. You just, uh, you, you, it's a volunteer thing. I, the first time I signed up for it was 2010, and this was the first year that I actually won. You know, they call it winning. Um, I wrote 55,000 words in 30 days, and the goal is to write 50,000 words in 30 days. Um, and so I have another, that novel, and then I have another novel that I kind of started that I didn't quite get done with last NaNoWriMo in 2021. So I've got two other novels, and I'm going to try and uh, see if I can go through through, through the traditional publishing uh, way with those and you know get an agent and a publisher, and I, I self-published the first one. But um, anyway, okay, so I've given you my backstory now, <laughs> half hour of well, backstory. I mean, one thing I think is really cool about you and it's been true ever since I've known you is that you don't have to necessarily see the whole picture in order just to take the first step where so many of us really get hung up with needing the plan and needing to know what it's like in order to even start something and I don't know if that comes from your improv mindsets or, or what, but I think that is such an amazing trait that you possess. And it's clearly something that you're continuing to do now. You know, you don't know what things are going to look like in regards to your next professional leap, but you're walking into it anyways. And that's cool where most people would just go back to sales. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I have a couple of thoughts on that one. It doesn't always work out. <laughs> I mean, I think, I mean, that impulsive, you know, I'll call it impulsiveness. Uh, mm -hmm. That's, that's the type of impulsiveness that also led me to walk away from writing and go into sales or try and do commercial real estate. Oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to do this. And I, and I've, I've kind of always been like that. And I'm sure it's driven 
some people crazy. Um, but I think the difference between like, um, I think the difference over time is that like, if I compared like being in Chicago in the mid nineties and doing improv, I was so fixated on the end goal. I wanted to be on Saturday Night Live and I was like that. I mean, I didn't, you know, and, and it couldn't happen fast enough. And because I was so fixated on the end goal and not in, in enjoying the ride, it ruined the ride and it led me out. It led me to be feel dissatisfied that it wasn't happening fast enough. Oh my gosh, this is never going to happen. You know, watching other people gain success was not like, that's great. You know, there's enough success in the universe for everybody. It was more like, oh, that bastard, you know, he's, he's, you know, somebody's brother or whatever. Um, and I think to me, that's the big difference between then and now is now I can, I can, I can enjoy where I am. I still want to get places, but I'm not as hyper-focused on the end goal as much as like the journey of it. And it's, it's like running, you know, um, people are like, I'm going to run a marathon or, you know, or I could never run a marathon. Well, if you say you can never run a marathon, well, you can never run a marathon. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, you, 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 yes, you can't. Um, but if you're like, I, I want to run a marathon, eventually you reach a point where you realize, oh my gosh, I, I am going to do this. You know, that 20 mile run, you know, you see the light bulb go on on so many people's eyes. It's like, wow, uh, I, I can do this. I am going to finish this. Um, but if you're, goal from i don't know day one is my first marathon and i'm going to qualify for boston or um i'm gonna you know do something crazy or i'm gonna lose 100 pounds by training for a marathon or i don't know you know i mean if, if you're fixated on something other than that day's scheduled run you know you can ruin the whole process um and that's uh that's where I think I've changed over the years. And I, and I've, I've kind of got a theory that depending on where you are in life, um, you know, when you're in your twenties, I think, I think everybody in their twenties is searching, but I also think that they think they have to have it all figured out already um, to a certain extent, you know, it's like, Oh my gosh, I have to make it. And I see this with my kids, you know, that I think they feel like they have to make a decision and they can never change from that decision. You know, it's like, I'm going to do whatever. And then you can never change. And I'm like, <laughs> I've changed so many times. I don't know. Um, and then in your thirties and maybe into your forties, I think there's this, this feeling that you can make the universe do what you want it to do. You can get the universe in a headlock and make it so that I make you know, half a million dollars a year, or I'm the best salesperson, or I'm the, you know, whatever it is, whatever your goal is, that you somehow can twist the <laughs> the forces of, of creation to your bidding. And I think that leads a lot of people to dissatisfaction and frustration. And then I think when you get into your 50s, some people, some people refuse to change. Some people are still caught, but, and I think they become more bitter and more bitter and more bitter because they're like, 
the universe is against me as opposed to surrendering to the whatever the flow or path is and i think that's kind of what's happened to me in the past two or three years as i've just surrendered to what feels good you know that's kind of my mantra you know does this feel good does this bring me joy does this I don't want to use the word happy because happy is kind of like a word like success or failure. It just has some, you know, has different connotations to different people. But, you know, does this bring me joy? Do I feel good doing this? And I had a motto for a while. It's kind of an improv motto that some other people have had, which is follow the fun. You know, is this fun? Am I having fun? And, you know, if I'm not having fun, why am I doing it? And depending on where you are in that curve that I just talked about, that can sound insane. Like, no, fun is the, la you know, fun is a byproduct of quote unquote societal success of, you know, having a lot of money, having a big house, having a fancy car, you know, and, and I think, you know, more and more it's clear um, when you talk to people who are super successful, um, that success is not what brought them happiness. You know, it brought them uh, to a realization that they don't need those things to be happy eventually. Because um, by success, everybody. you're talking financial wealth is what you would refer to as that. Yeah, I think, I, and, and that's not my definition. That's, right. you know, that's society's definition or America's definition of success. Yeah. Let's put it that way. I can um, see uh, so many sides of that. Um the the different uh, I guess positions in life that people find themselves at I have somebody in my life that adamantly believes that we're not here to be happy we're not here to have be joyful you're here to serve a purpose and if that purpose sucks then well you know that sucks for you but but that's life so that's one like far end of that and then the other side of that is people that are on the way opposite end of that belief and they go towards what is warm and what is joyful. And it has nothing to do perhaps with financial gain in any way. Um, it's just about how they can um, enjoy life and maybe even contribute to and be purposeful in life, regardless of what it has to do with any type of financial wealth. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So it's like one extreme to the next in regards to beliefs. I feel like I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle of that. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think most people are. Um, I, th I think I mean, there's definitely, you know, I mean, if you go back, to, you know, it's just, it's just our culture. I mean, there's this my, my mom's family is from the East Coast and they're very I mean, they're like they didn't come on the Mayflower, but like the second boat, you know, the one after that. Um, and they, you know, they have this really uh, waspy uh, attitude about the world. Just like you said, you know, your, your friend, you know, it's like, you know, don't get too happy because, you know, if when you're happy, the other shoe's going to drop, you know, something bad's going to happen. Um, you know, don't, don't enjoy life. Just, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, there's th that stoicism of, you know, like just keep a stiff upper lip and suck it up and, you know, and that's just, <laughs> I don't know. It just, it drives me crazy because, and, and it's in me, it's in me, 
you know, and it, and it, and it, it, I fight against it, you know, sometimes, uh, and I have to avoid people who have that attitude sometimes because the, I will get sucked into it because it's, it's so ingrained. Um, but how, how old's your son? Eight. Eight. So he's still at that. I mean, you know, you can't, tell me that you know that what he thinks at eight years old is that i need to be you know stoic and you know he's like joy what's fun what do i want to do i want to play video game i want to do karate or, or you know yeah. whatever i mean he, you know i want to go ride my bike i want to i want to try this i want to try that oh this looks fun that looks fun i want to play soccer i want to do this and you know and some people that drives them crazy because their kids bouncing all over the place but but that's what you know that's what life's about you know trying new things and exploring new things it's not about having uh you know the same haircut and pleated jeans from 1990 and you know being the same person you know and being afraid of change and and people get you know especially in america people as adults get settled into these places and whether it's you know they get settled into a role and the, and they you know the role is businessman or father or mother or caretaker or or loser or failure or whatever you know and they have this this story that they've associated with for so long and they think that they can't change it and i just i just don't believe that i believe that you know if it takes yeah it takes courage and it takes stepping out of your comfort zone but god it's so much better to live happily you know and yeah. live joyously than it is to suffer and when you when you and I were running together a lot, that was between like 2010 and 2013, and that was in the time when I was going between my my marriage was ending that entire time. I mean, it it started in 2010, the end of it, and we finally got legally divorced in 2013. And I look back at those three years, and it seemed like those three years were a hundred years long. I mean, everything felt like it was crashing down. But I wouldn't trade it, you know. I mean, it 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 took me another, you know, almost ten years, you know, to to get completely out of that. But I just look at where I was then, and and the mental anguish that I was going through, trying to figure out who I was all over again. You know, and I and I've I thought I figured it out a few times, and I am and I'll be wouldn't be surprised if two years from now we could talk, and I would be like, yeah, I thought I had it figured out in twenty, whatever years twenty twenty two, you know, and I didn't, and I'm, I'm you know, and I I wouldn't be surprised if if I'm on what would appear to some people to be a different path, um, but I really feel that the creativity is is my is my path and is my journey and is where I want to be and what form that takes um I think the universe will decide but I just have to keep moving forward with small steps in all toward toward what I want and the rest will take care of itself yeah so um you know reinventing oneself and evolving is something that is necessary and so many people I feel like resist that because of the programming the ingraining 
that you have growing up in the society that we live in, um, that, you know, it's however you were taught to believe it being in this lane instead of in that lane type of mentality. Um, and a lot of us do end up switching lanes multiple times in life. And I honestly feel bad for people that don't. People that just stay the course, people that say, I haven't changed since I'm in I was in high school and they're like 50 or 60. It's like, oh my God, really? I feel so sorry for you. I'm so sorry that you haven't grown and evolved and learned yeah. anything. Cause I just feel like you're you're stuck in this lane of just mundane routine existence, yeah. the, the, not there's living. that great, there's that great Muhammad Ali quote that um if a man thinks the same at 50 as he did at 20, he's wasted 30 years of his life. Exactly. You know, if have you not learned anything? You know, correct. It, it, yeah. It's like that quote too. It's like growth is uh being willing to have your mind changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because there's so many things that, and I'm sure it resonates with you too, that you probably resisted believing or um denied embracing. 20 years ago versus now. And then it's like, you look at things from a different perspective or maybe put yourself in the shoes of somebody else or a different situation. And you're like, oh yeah, like I actually don't think that way anymore. Yeah, yeah. It gives you a little more empathy toward people who are in that position at, at that younger stage of life. Um, but it also makes me shake my head when they're like at the same stage or age in life, you know? And I'm like, how can you still, you know, and yeah. And there's a whole industry out there that makes money off of that whole thing to um, a number of industries, but uh, that's a whole nother topic. Um, but uh, if we could live in reverse, you know, if we could do yeah. the, the Benjamin button thing where you, you know, live backwards with the knowledge of yeah. a lifetime of influence, essentially, um, that would be cool to be in your twenties, knowing what, you know, in oh your fifties, sixties, seventies, you know, how cool would that be? Yeah. And, and that's, but that's a great thing to remember too. And, and I see that with my sons, it's like, I, from time to time, I'm like, I get frustrated with them because I want them to be more open to things. And I, and then I'll go back and I'll think about, okay, what was I doing when I was 22? What was I doing when I was 20? What was I fixated on? You know, and, and okay just just to remember that that you know that's that's part of growing up you know you have to go through mm -hmm. the stages and you know you don't have to go through the societal expectation stages you don't have to go through the you know but you know for so many years um you know i thought money was the answer to everything to, you know and i would i remember writing in journals in the 90s you know like if i if i could just make this much money a year you know, and literally, I mean, I don't, I don't think I wrote these words, but something very close to it, you know, all my troubles would be over, you know, I would have no more further, further problems in life, you know, well, well, you know, when, you know, what's the same, you know, when you don't have any more problems, it's because you're dead. <laughs> it's like, life is just a series of right. challenges. And it's all how you, you know, uh, approach them, you know, or, or, or allow them to affect you or react to them, you know, um, you know, our, 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 reaction or our what's the word i'm looking for um our response to anything is you know we have a choice whether you know it's like okay you know this is going to crush me this is not going to crush me mm -hmm. and i think people 
you know, it's part of it's part of the mythology of of America, you know, like the oh, you know, he he was he was a great guy till he lost everything, you know, and then he became a shell of himself and horrible alcoholic and lived in the streets. You know, it's like, you know, it's like if that's what you think is going to happen, then it's going to happen. But if it's like, oh, he, you know, he hit rock bottom and he bounced back up. Well, then that's what's going to happen. But I don't think you need to hit rock bottom. <laughs> I think I think uh, if you if you can open up your heart a little bit along the way and and accept yourself for who you are. And I think that place, that's where I do feel like a little bit Benjamin Button is I feel like the more I follow what feels good, the more I feel like I'm at my essential self, you know, the eight-year-old. What did I want to do when I was eight? I don't know, but I'm sure as hell it wasn't selling, you know, electronic equipment for a German manufacturer. You know, I know that wasn't my my number one goal. Um, and that's why, like writing, you know, actually not writing, but publishing, actually taking the step to put that book out into the world was terrifying. I mean, that's what what held me back for my entire life was the fear of what are people they're going to say I suck. They're going to say this is terrible. And and is it a perfect book? No, no, it's not. It's not perfect. But and and everybody doesn't like it. And I remember I got, I was so excited when, you know, I got the first few good reviews and then there was somebody who just, you know, like they didn't like it. And I, I, years ago, I think I would have been crushed. I would have just been like, oh no. But as I thought, you know, there has not been one single creation in the history of mankind that everybody liked, you know, there's not one song, there's not one book, there's not one, you know, uh, play or whatever that everybody likes. I mean, people are different and for, for some it resonates for some, it doesn't, you know? Um, so that was, there was a moment last summer and nothing else really had changed. And I had the, you know, I had the manuscript laying around and a really close friend of mine read the first 25 pages. And she was like, this here, you, this is really good. And for whatever reason, I finally heard it, you know, and that was her opinion, but it, it was the right opinion at the right time. And from that, that point forward, the process was really easy. I, I mean, the, the editing process, um, and I'll tell you, that's the other part. Everybody talks about writing, 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 you know, like the process of writing, you read articles about how some famous author writes. The thing that nobody talks about is editing, rewriting it, editing it. Nobody talks about that part of it. And that is 99% of writing a novel. You know, it's like going through it again, reading it and going, oh my God, this, that, no, that doesn't work. And, and reading it out loud to yourself and sending it off to somebody to do a line edit on it. And, and then getting to the point where it's just like, okay, I accept it's good enough. It's as good as, you know, I mean, I could continue to work on it again and again and again. Um, there was uh, one author. Um, I can't remember who it was. It was, a, it was a woman, an older woman author. And she said that when she would go in to record the audio versions of her books, she'd keep like changing the words <laughs> because she's still, you're just like, oh, this is, you know, she, she was like rewriting the book and then and they would yeah. stop her and say, no, 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 you have to read it exactly as it's published. She's like, oh, okay. But it's, it would be better. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, so, that's, that's an interesting thought because 
if you just keep going over it and over it and over it, it's never going to be done, right? But you're always going to find flaws or what you think are flaws in yeah. your original work. And yeah, I can see how you could really get caught up with something like writing a book and it like never gets published because of that. Yeah. And, and, and that's a way to hide in the fear of it too, to, mm -hmm. to you protect yourself. Right. Um, there's, there's that one cartoonist, the, the oatmeal. Um, I'm sure you, I know you're familiar with him because he's the guy that, that came up with the blurch, okay. you know, the, the running blurch thing, you know, remember, okay. you know that yeah. anyway, so he's, but he has this like creative chart. It's like how a project goes from start to finish. And it's like, oh, you know, I have an idea. And then it's like all these lines and dumpster fire and, you know, all this stuff. And then the last one is fuck it. It's good enough. You know? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and, and, and every artist has to get to that point where, I mean, we would never have a song, you know, your favorite band mm -hmm. would never record a song. They'd be constantly working on it. Um, my gosh, go watch, you know, watch, uh, a couple of the episodes of, um, let it be, you know, um, the, the video or the movie that, um, came out on, um, on, uh, not Apple, um, on Disney plus or whatever, you know, the, 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 the re-edited version of all the footage of the Beatles, you know, working on songs. And, you know, it's like, there, there's like hours and hours and days and days and days and days of them just sitting around, just talking about whatever. And then all of a sudden there's like Paul McCartney just starts doing something. And then, you know, George Harrison's yawning and, and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh wait, that sounds pretty good. And it, it turns into, you know, like get back. I mean, it's just like started with, you know, like, him, dun, 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 you know, it's like, and then five minutes it's gone from nothing to this. And, you know, and, you know, it's like, it's like the angels, you know, spoken and that's the creative process. But to get to the point where you put it out, you have to eventually just say, and I don't know if we can do language like this, but just fuck oh, yeah. it. You, yeah, you know, no, you've got, fine. you got it. It's, you have to do that at some point. And it's the same with running, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, at some point you're like, I'm not going to look like, you know, I'm not going to be a five foot two, 88 pound Kenyan. I'm just not <laughs> I mean, never, no matter how much I run, no matter how much I don't eat, that's not going to be me. Um, so if my fastest time is going to be this, if I care about time, then great. I mean, you and I both know people that you would never in a million years guess finished a marathon, mm -hmm. you know, if you looked at them that's physically, true. but they have finished it and they have done it. And that's a monumental achievement. Mm -hmm. And we also know people who, you know, beginning runners that finish a 5k. And for them, that 3.2 miles is just as amazing as somebody else running a hundred mile, you know, trail race or whatever. It's just, it's, mm -hmm. it's all relative. And if you can let yourself experience that joy and that satisfaction of achievement, it's good enough, you mm -hmm. know, it's good enough. And For that's sure. great. You know, no judgment. Um, so you know what you're saying about, you know, that mindset of, you know, like, fuck it, it's done. Just be done with it. That goes back to what you said earlier about um, just stepping into accepting and who who you are and what it is. And um, rather than trying to maneuver into something else that isn't necessarily, I feel like that kind of goes hand in hand a little bit. Yeah. And it has to do with improv as well. Uh, you know, improvisation, you, you, you know, you're making up stuff on stage it's never been seen before it'll never be seen again and that's you know something after i mean i've been doing improv since i think 1992 on and off there were there was about a 10-year period where i didn't do any but 
um you know and, and you get to a point where you accept that it's never going to be perfect it's never going to be uh everything that you want it to be every scene cannot you know and i always tell my students in improv there's no such thing as a perfect improv show. And if there is, if you have a perfect improv show, be careful when you walk into the theater because you're probably going to get hit by a bus. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's, it just doesn't happen. You know, it's, it would, um, uh, so you get used to that, um, feeling of, I did the best I could. It was fun. We had fun. You know, that was, that's the bottom line. Did you have fun? Yeah. Okay. Did the audience have fun? Yeah. Okay. It was a good, it was a good show then. Um, but that takes years of, of working on improv as well to get to the point where you realize it's never going to be perfect. Um, I know people who have taken classes for me and have done improv for a long time and they still see improv as something like that, something that's solvable, like a math mm. problem. And it's not, it, you know, it's not, there's no two plus two equals four. It's two plus two equals 21. You know, I, it, it, you know, every night it's different um, because of what it is, but their brains just like, they, they have a super analytical brain and they just think that like, if I just, if I can just figure out one part, you know, this next part I can get, you know, it, you can't, it's, it's, it's untamable. Um, same with running. I mean, I don't know how many marathons you've run, but you know, I, I look back at mine and I can, I use this as my kind of comparison with the book too. It's like the first one, you, you, you don't know how to get from day one of training until the, to the end of the race, you know, you just kind of like, okay, well, people have done this before, so I know it's possible. And you just kind of trust. Right. And that was <laughs> yeah. like the first book. The first book was like that. It's like, well, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm, I, I kind of have a path and I'm just going to follow it to the finish line. And again, accepting that it's not going to be perfect. And then your second marathon, it's like, okay, I know what to expect. No, you don't, you know, you get up, you know, you feel great. You had a great training. You get up and you're like, oh, I, my stomach's not good, doing good today. And you spend half the race in the porta potty or, or you have the worst training and you get up and it's, you know, perfect temperature and you just feel great for whatever reason. And it's just like, it was effortless and, you know, you, but you had the worst training or, I mean, you, you just don't know. And that's what people, you know, that's what they say, you know, that's why they play the game. You know, you see somebody like, um, Meb uh, Kefleshegi or however exactly he pronounced his name. Like when he finished, when he got the, what was it? Uh, third place, the bronze medal or the whatever in the Olympics in, in London. Okay. And he'll, you know, he talks about the race. He's like, oh, I started and I felt like crap. And I, and I just was like, all right, I'll just, just finish, just do your best and finish. And then he's like, well, about halfway through, I started feeling pretty good. And that's like, and they ended up, you know, meddling. And it was like, it was like amazing. And it's just like, you, you can't, you can't give up on the journey at some point and just go, well, you know, I'm always going to be this, you know, cause it's not true. It's just not true. You know, if you, um, if you want to, uh, be something or do something or have something you can have, you can be, do, or have anything you want. And, um, it's the, the way I progress now. And I don't know if you know who Martha Beck is, but she's a, a life coach mm -hmm. and, and been very influential in the last two years of my life. Um, but she has this concept called turtle steps. 
And it's basically, you know, you have a goal. And if you just continue every day to do a little turtle step, no matter what, it, you know, it could be, you know, say I want to get uh, like for me, I want to get a, an agent, you know, a literary agent. So what do I need to do? You know, yeah, I need to get the book to the point where it's pretty much complete. And then I need to start sending it out and I need to send it out more and I need to maybe follow up or whatever. But what can I do between now and that point? You know, I can do little steps. I can I can research one literary agent a day for the next 90 days. And I'll have a list of 90 literary agents that I can send to. But it's just, you know, it's, it doesn't, in the big picture, it doesn't seem like much. Um, but I, I I had this kind of epiphany when I was writing the, the final draft of, of Sportsman's and getting it ready to publish it is the turtle steps are not on level ground. It's like a teeter totter and you're turtle stepping up the, up the, uh, hill of the teeter totter, you know, from the ground up and it's, it's difficult, but then at some point you get the weight of the teeter totter shifts. And now your turtle steps are going downhill because you've done all those hard turtle steps and it gets easier. It's, they're not bigger. They're not necessarily more important, but it's easier. And you get the momentum kind of carries you through. Um, and that's how I felt with, with sportsmen's that last like month or two, it was just like all of a sudden I was going downhill instead of uphill. And it, and it started with that one person's comment that I finally heard, you know, yeah, this, this is good. You should, you should do this. And, and it was, you know, I, I don't, for whatever reason, I heard it that day because mm -hmm. I know other people said it before, but for whatever reason, you know, that you was received it differently that day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, proving once again that the power of words are, in fact, powerful, because had somebody that day in that moment said to you, it's okay, it's all right, I guess, who knows what would have happened yeah. if we would have even, if I would have even read this book, you know, right. Um, right. so talk, sportsmen, talk to me about, you know, where the idea came from, how it manifested, and <laughs> we've talked a lot about finding your brave to get it out here into the world to be enjoyed. Right. But tell me about how it blossomed in you. Where did it come from? Yeah. Um, like I said, I, in, in like end of February, early March, you know, whatever that was of 2020 before the pandemic, um, I, I was just like, you know, I, and I've, I've talked about writing a novel since, I was a little kid, you know, it's been a dream of mine, a goal of mine forever. Um, I really, I, I love reading. I love authors. I love the stories about authors. And, and maybe that's part of why it's so hard because you put them on pedestals, you know, like, oh, they're, yeah. they're so creative. They're so, and yeah, they are, but that creativity is open to all of us. Um, so I, I made the commitment to myself that I was going to write type one page per day for hundred days. And I was just gonna, like, at the end, when I hit the end of the page, I was going to stop, put my computer away and go. So I did that. Um, I don't have ideas when I started. Um, I think the first line that I started with for sportsmen's was I'm leaving this town. And I don't know if I came up with that on my own or whether that came from somebody else. Um, or that might not have actually been the first, that might've been like three or four days in that popped up. Cause I just started writing. Um, and 
that whole story just came up. I mean, just came from the universe. I don't know how else to describe it. You know, it just, mm-hmm. and eventually it was like, I clicked into a story and then, you know, the thing that gets discovered originally was in the main character's backyard. It wasn't in somebody else's yard. And, and it was, it was like, whoa, this, that's too weird. And I think for a long time, I had a problem with how random that was. And so over time, I found a way to make it less r- directly random. And, you know, it felt better the way it, it is in the book now. And um, the people, uh, you know, those are people that I think, I think we're all products of where we grew up. And, and uh, if you, you know, I mean, you know, people that just like we were talking about, that just never changed. They're just stuck. And, and, and um, going back to my hometown and, and looking at the friends that still live there and the differences between them kind of brought those characters up. And then I just imagined what it would be like to be there. You know, how would I be different if I was still there? And it's, it's really the, the writing process is a lot like improvisation. You're just making it up as you go along. Um, you just have a lot more details to keep track of. <laughs> and, uh, and that, and that's tough sometimes. And, and I, I think there's a couple of editorial errors in the book where it's like sequences get out of order, but you know, you do the best you can and, you know, it, you know, if no one's thrown it at the wall because of it, I don't think so. Um, but yes, yeah, so the process was, um, that was my first experience with getting something of that length written. And then between then and now I've done it, uh, two or three other times. So it gets easier and, and you start to believe, oh yeah, I can, I can write this length. It's just like that marathon thing, you know, mm-hmm. the second marathon, you, you know, you, it's different, but you know, you can get there. And now, um, you know, I, I fully intend to, um, either self-publish or have these next two books published, um, hopefully in the next year or so. Um, I mean, I, th- I think if I was going to self-publish them, I would say, yeah, they're both going to be self-published by March, <laughs> you know, but th- I, I think that's, that's taking the less, that's taking the easier road right now. It's, it's going to be a harder road for me to find an agent and that agent to find a publisher. But I think that that's what, I want, I want to go the traditional publishing route. And so for some reason that, that will feel, you know, that those other people's opinions, which shouldn't matter, um, will make me feel more like a real author than self-publishing and I, but it's not true it's not true it's but not it, true. It, but i have to admit that to myself that that's why i want to do it yeah know? and well, have the courage to try and if they yeah. all say no then they all say no and then, then i can publish it myself and go well they all said no so you know whatever well it's cool that you can admit that fear to yourself though because i think that in and of itself being able to admit what we're scared of is just something too that is different now from in your 20s i guess just the way that we evolve yeah (laughs) Yeah. um well i've said it before i mean i've always thought you were awesome and a cool guy but now that you're an author i mean that just levels up your your (laughs) cool game for sure in my in my opinion um 
I thought it was a great read and I enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to what's next in the uh, the world of books by Bob Bing Craig for sure. Yeah, um, the next one's set in Northwest Indiana. So uh, okay. the one I just finished. So that's cool. Oh, and then I just got accepted. My my I entered the Chicago Marathon Lottery and I got accepted. So I've got I saw that. <laughs> that's awesome. So you know what? You just keep coming back to the area, even though you're trying yeah. to stay away. There keeps being reasons whether you're writing about it or running here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. cool. I've always um one day it's it's kind of like a lot of people, you know, it's like one day I have aspirations to be included in the author club, so to speak. Um, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. Well, I find it super intimidating to write a turtle book. steps, turtle yeah. steps, you know, yeah, start a blog, sure. start writing for yourself, start journaling, whatever, you know, and mm -hmm. see where it goes. But yeah. the turtle steps are the key because you can't, what do they say? You can't edit a blank page. So for sure. And, you know, I've talked a lot about imposter syndrome before, um, even I mean, in everything that I've done in life, even just starting this podcast, it's exactly yeah. what you've described and other things um, in areas of your life where it's like, well, what are people going to think? Are they going to think it's dumb? Is anybody going to listen? You know, um, but at the end of the day, it's not for everybody else. It is, but it isn't, you know, it's like you want people to read it or listen to it and have it resonate and then gain something from it. But also um, it's a place to, just connect with people like you and have a conversation. And if people listen to it, cool. But if not, I feel like we got something out of it. Yeah, for sure. And it, and, and it doesn't have to be a podcast or a book. I mean, for somebody, it might be, you know, for, you know, it might be running as their, as their art, you know, or, or, mm -hmm. or painting or, or woodworking or their family or their house or their garden or whatever. I mean, you know, if it brings you joy and you feel satisfaction from doing it, then that's what's important. It's not, it's not the, you know, oh, I wrote a book or I, you know, in a book was important to me, you know, mm -hmm. but it, it could have been something completely different. It could have been, you know, you know, like when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a professional basketball player. <laughs> Which is hilarious, right? Well, but, I, I don't mean, want to say it's hilarious and crush that childhood dream, but I can't picture it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I never got taller and I never got better. And I played and played and played and played and played. And, you know, and, you know, looking back, I think the reason I never got better was because I never played against people better than me. You know, mm -hmm. I wouldn't purposely seek it out, seek out the, you know, that's where you grow, you know, is, yeah. is through the challenge. And I never sought out challenges. And so, um, and maybe I just wasn't any good at it, too. but you know, it's, it's fine when you're a kid to fourth, fifth, sixth grade to have those dreams. Got to have something to shoot for. Right. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think you're making a lot of shots in life these days. Um, I think it's really cool what you're doing and um, I'm excited to just see your next projects. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate you having me on here and you're doing awesome as well. Keep just going with whatever feels good. You know, I know you've gone through like you had the restaurant and then you, that kind of, you know, morphed into something else, but you're mm -hmm. still doing all that stuff. And you're, 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 you're also, um, you know, you're championing what you championing, championing what you believe in, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, veganism and, and, you know, love and, happiness and you know running and you know you see how you affect other people's lives and you've affected so many people's lives and i hope you know how much you have done that and you can take that to heart and know that 
when you're doing that, it's it's your whatever soul shines through. So keep up the good oh, work. That's that's cool, Bob. Thanks for saying that. Um, yeah, I'm all get me all sappy over here. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how to stay connected with you. Oh, um, uh, my, the easiest thing is I have a website. Um, I think it's bobbingcraig.com. It's in the back of the book. Um, but through that, you can find me. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Um, Sportsman's is available through every online thing. Or if you really want to support your local bookstore, you can go to them and ask them to order it. and They can order it. Um, I would love for more people to read it um, and more people to give me feedback on what they think about it. Uh, but it's available everywhere, uh, either uh, paperback or electronic version. And uh, the next one hopefully will be out sometime in the next year, depending on who takes it on. So I'll cool. give you my phone number, but I don't want people, you know, I won't answer if I don't know the number anyway. So yeah, yeah. So that's not going to work. We'll, we'll put all your, uh, all the uh, contacts that are acceptable in the show notes. So for sure. So check, check that out listeners. So ways to connect with Bob and support his writing, read his books, watch his journey and look for awesome things to come. Yep. And if you're ever out in uh, Southern California, uh, check me out. I'm at Improv City in Tustin pretty regularly. And hopefully by fall, I'll be at the Groundlings regularly as well. But that's that's a path that I don't have control over. I'm just taking the steps I can. So Isn't that true for all of life? All right, Bob, I will talk to you soon. Thanks for joining me today. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Take care. So much of this conversation resonated with me. I love the part about how we respond to life and determine success differently based on where we are in it all. The different approaches are less like chapters and more like lessons in how to level up while in some ways, and in the best ways, leveling down. Bob, if you're hearing me, just know that you're one of those people I truly love connecting with. Thank you for the gifts you left here today and for joining me on What's on Your Plate. To our audience, please support the amazing people that grace this space. All the ways to connect with Bob are in the show notes, as well as where to buy his amazing book. Show the love far and wide by sharing this episode. You can also choose to tangibly help support What's on Your Plate podcast with the link in the show notes that helps with the background costs. Thank you to our listeners. I appreciate you so much. And again, to Bob, thank you for sharing a piece of yourself here today. Much love, everyone. Until next time.